G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. There has been obviously a controversy over Darwin's evolution versus God's creation that's raged on and uh, for a lot of people saying far longer than has been necessary. Through almost three decades of study, a field of study and research has developed conclusive evidence showing that superintelligence, dexterity, vision, precision, speed and enormous care are essential for the assembly of each part of each cell in our bodies. Now the upshot of that is eliminates evolution as a contender as because by definition evolution has no intelligence to use. That's fairly logical, isn't it? Well, this three-decade process has resulted in the establishment of a godly life science to study this super-intelligent physical work of building us from the dust with a two-step process from atoms in the soil to our foods, then using atoms from our foods to build our cells and us. Tom Rogers is an independent researcher and president of Reality Research and Development. He has a background in engineering, construction and exploration. And he's behind a new book called Darwin's Replacement. As I say, our talkback line open on 1-800-316-316 if you would like to join in our conversation. But a special welcome back to 2020 to you, Tom Rogers. Thanks very much, Neil. Good to talk to you again. And, uh, Tom, we're on the line with you in Canada. Whereabouts are you in Canada? On the west coast, uh, a place called the Sunshine Coast, and I know you have one in Australia as well. We do. But, uh, we, uh, my wife and I, looked for about two and a half years to find either a water view or some waterfront, and we we lucked out and we got a terrific uh, oceanfront property. So just very fortunate, got it at the low part in our real estate market over here which is terribly hot right now so okay all right and uh, and i guess it's uh it's uh, tuesday evening uh, monday evening there for you isn't it that's right yeah just past five thirty here now tom uh, let's talk about your new book it's not the first time there's been articles and books published about uh, this whole issue of uh, atomic biology, uh, but Darwin's replacement. Uh, give us an in a nutshell idea of what is in your new book. Well, there's some new work. We we did a book. Um, our first book was about two years ago, and um, I got some good feedback on that, and decided to do another one. And I, I knew there were. Probably a couple of keys out there that I hadn't put my finger on yet that were going to be significant. And uh, being an impatient individual, I kept talking to God about, why is this taking so long? Why is this taking so long? And then uh, I was reminded that his timing is best. And sure enough, last fall, just a few months ago, 
there were some uh, new evidence that were brought up not intentionally by the Nobel Prize winners in chemistry uh, last year, three uh, different scientists that uh, got the prize in chemistry for developing over a 33-year period some really simplistic molecular machines. And our, our cells all have uh, some very complex molecular machines by comparison. And so what this proved to me, and it was really a detail that I think should be the last straw to break the back of evolution, and that is that um, the proof is that with all the accumulated knowledge, all the accumulated scientific knowledge that we have and all the sophisticated equipment and the best brains in the universe working with it, and we can't come anywhere close to building the kind of molecular machines we have in our cells. And um, the, this new subject that we're introducing as atomic biology studies the, the brilliant, the super intelligent work that has to be performed to build all parts of our cells, actually. So goodbye evolution. Evolution doesn't have intelligence to use, so it, it just can't do this. And uh, this is one of the key um, parts of our solution to the debate. But there are many others as well that we've we've developed over this last thirty year period. So, Tom, just give us really a simple, clear explanation because I know that you say a fifth grader can understand this. So mm-hmm. I don't want to leave any listener behind in the conversation today. Okay, uh, we're talking about cells and we're mm-hmm. talking about atoms. Uh, right. Give us a, a very simple way that what you're talking about with the complexity of cells, uh, okay. the way this atomic biology works. All right. Well, to, to uh, bring it down to basics, and this is where fifth grader science comes in. I learned in fifth grade that material things are made of atoms. That's kind of they're the building blocks of the universe, and that was kind of a basic um, point that we started with when I you know, finally saw the light as a late bloomer, 1987, and started thinking, okay, you know, I, coming from engineering and so on, I have to understand how this God of ours builds living cells and, and entities in us. And so um, I started with this fifth grade uh, concept that, you know, living things are made of atoms, living things are material things, and they're made of atoms. Okay, so where do these atoms in my skin and my fingernails and my nose and everything else, where do those atoms come from? So you don't have to think very long to realize that it has to be what we've put in our mouth and maybe a little bit of what we've breathed in. So where did those atoms for what we put in our mouth, our food, where did they come from? Well, you don't have to think too deep before you realize that, well, it kind of has to be from the soil to make the potatoes and carrots and peas and turnips and things. So, and, and of course, from the rain, and uh, because a big part of our body is, is, is water, actually. So anyway... There we are. We're down to where the atoms 
come from that we're made out of, and it's from the soil. So the soil provides atoms to build um, our, our vegetables and things. Meats, that's another step, but but for our, our vegetables and fruit and so on, it's from atoms in the soil to our food. And once we've eaten the food, the atoms have to be rearranged, reselected, and grasped and precisely placed and built into all parts of every cell. So that's how we're built from the dust in a two-step process. Okay. And that's, I think, pretty understandable by just about everybody and, and rather irrefutable. Now, that is a very simple process, understanding where that uh, starts in the soil and eventually builds the cells and builds us. Uh, when we start to talk about how the atoms arrange themselves, uh, this is where I imagine it gets a little bit more complicated, and uh, I, I'm I'm sure uh, that all of the team that you've had working on this uh, now is uh, is is really uh, expert in. But but the way that those atoms arrange themselves, this gets very exciting. In fact, you're on an adventure here when you start to talk about these things, Tom. Yes, indeed. But again, you know, this is very simple, Neil, because. Atoms don't have brains or muscles. They don't have fins or wings. They, they can't move themselves into any precise position in a cell. So there has to be an external force that knows where each type of atom should go and um, where it's going to be found, you know, what the available sources are. And um, that can only be done by a super-intelligent force with some great dexterity. And uh, you mentioned earlier about the speed. Uh, you know, I can get into that a little bit as well because it's, it's so profound. And um, so, it, again, it's, it's a fairly simple, basic understanding there that uh, atoms don't have legs. They can't move themselves. They don't have brains. And even if they did have brains, they probably wouldn't know where to go to, to be their part of a cell. But I, I will also bring into, just because this is, this is a simple part of a very complex part of our cells, and most people know about uh, DNA a little bit. And just let me, um, I'm just going to open the book here at the, at the, the chapter on DNA. And here's... Here's why there has to be so much care. Um, in DNA, there, there are four different bases that get arranged um, by the billions to, to uh, make a code to uh, help run each cell once it's, uh, once it's built. So I'm just going to give you uh, one example here for a start. One of them is called adenine. And adenine as a, as a base is uh, composed of five atoms of carbon, five atoms of hydrogen, five atoms of nitrogen. Not a complex formula. But the next one is guanine as another base for DNA, and it is five atoms of carbon, five atoms of hydrogen, five atoms of nitrogen, and one atom of oxygen added. But it, it's so significant that when these atoms are being selected and grasped, pulled out of 
our digestive system to make these bases, the care has to be so precise. And, and the other two uh, bases are very similar, too. There's only a small difference between each base, but it's so critical. You have to be so careful to get it right, because if you don't get it right, your whole DNA string is going to be out of whack, and you won't you won't get any proper instructions happening in your cells. So, so precision is one of the elements here in Absolutely. this atomic biology. Precision, and you mentioned Absolutely. speed. We'll get onto speed very shortly. But okay. the interesting thing here is that while your new book called Darwin's Replacement is out, you're actually looking for people to, in fact. Uh, either argue with you or to verify the basic information that you have in this research. Uh, what sort of feedback have you been getting, Tom? Well, I, I just got um, another um, quotable quote for the um, jacket of the hardcover when that comes out. Now we're we're at a you know preliminary stage now, just gathering these quotes, but this fellow um, who's the head of a Christian scientific organization in the States, um, he could see that this should be made into textbook form for like Christian high schools at, at this stage, as he sees it, plus uh, Bible studies and book studies that go on through the church. And... Um, so that was his his recommendation and his comment that it, this it would be good to introduce this through um, some textbooks and, and workbooks that that uh, broke it down into like two page presentations on each point that um, shows where intelligence is required and why evolution can't uh, perform. You know, we have a lot of guests on this program and from time to time, and regular listeners will know, we create opportunities for people to call in and talk to creationists about sure. the arguments that there are for creation, that God is the creator and that these issues to do with evolution can't really work scientifically. And and from time to time, we'll have people calling in and arguing with the creationists because sure. they have been, uh, they have been uh, built up in their own education to believe that evolution as a theory and uh, that somehow or other, uh, you know, the origins of everything came from uh, random, uh, a random uh, issues. But right. what you're actually getting to a point here, uh, Tom, is that you're saying that the theory of evolution is the worst mistake ever made in science. It just simply can't work. That's right. And I, I've quoted a, a great old scientist, uh, and this goes back to 1984. He, uh, he basically said that once DNA was understood, the debate should have stopped. But of course it hasn't. But his, his uh, line also ends with the fact that evolution is probably the worst mistake ever made in science. And I, I tend to agree with that. And, of course, there's an agenda behind it to keep God away from students. And it's been very effective here in North America. And I, I think it's been fairly effective in um, Australia and England as well. And probably, you know, with three generations of that kind of teaching from, you know, through the school and college and university levels, it's no wonder our church numbers are dropping as I see it, because 
if evolution is the cause of life, well, what do you need a God for? And uh, certainly university level here, um, students who come in with, uh, you know, some Christian belief can have that um, almost shamed out of them, intimidated right out of them to say how foolish they are to think that, you know, God could do this when evolution is the thing that does it. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. Tom Rogers is our guest, an independent researcher, president of Reality Research and Development. This is the organization behind a new book called Darwin's Replacement. Uh, We've been hearing some details about how the idea of a fifth grader could understand the way that cells are, in fact, uh, fed by the atomic material that comes from the soil and uh, building ourselves and building us. Tom Rogers, as we talk about these sorts of issues, uh, people wonder about God and uh, whether there is no God, uh, the idea that some people come up with uh, in order to try and, you know, find a new position. They call it intelligent design. Uh, where does this idea of atomic biology fit uh, in these ideas about uh, intelligent design uh, or a creation? What are your thoughts? Well, I'm, um, I'm very um, impressed with a lot of the fellows at the Discovery Institute in Seattle. I, I'm a member of... Uh, that organization as well, and I've been going to a lot of their insider briefings for a number of years, and they are onto something that's, that is gradually being accepted to a degree by different um, areas, and some of the governments in the states um, are trying to get that introduced alongside of evolution for a start as a, as a possible alternative and so that that's great and I you know I encourage them there but um, my my concern is like they won't mention God by name because they, there's this separation of church and state in the United States and it's so um, heavily protected and with some deep pockets behind it that will take teachers and, and schools, uh, school boards into court and just frustrate them, run them out of time, effort, and money, and uh, they give up. And um, so there's there's a huge um, well-financed lobby against anything but evolution being taught. So you can tell it's an atheistic agenda. Um my concern with with intelligent design is, uh, you know, from an engineering point of view, is that a design is only the start. Now you've got to actually build something, and that takes work, and it takes intelligent work and skills of various kinds to to actually put something together. So the design is is wonderful. The the idea is wonderful, and they. The intelligent design people say that it's, it's um, an intelligent agent, but they, they dare not mention the word God because they know they'll get slapped around for it. Okay, so it goes beyond the idea of intelligent design uh, because you're out of the uh, out of the idea of theories here because now you're talking about supernaturally intelligent construction. As you say, exactly. there's a difference between the design and the construction. How does that all work? Yes, and you know, um, I, I like to be cautious with the word supernatural because 
the atheistic point of view and the evolutionist point of view is that if you bring in the word supernatural, it isn't science. That's blanket statement on their part. So I refer to superintelligence, a superintelligent force, and of course in, in these four countries we're, we're um, writing about or presenting this to initially, and that's Australia and Canada and Britain and the States. You know, God is already a part of the government. And so because he's already a, a highly recognized part of the government, students already have, as as your um, wonderful um, Australian doctor, Graham McClellan, who has written one of the books in, in this, one of the chapters, rather, uh, says students have the inalienable right to be taught about this God of their government. That's that's basic, but it's it's not happening. Um, it's really not happening. Um, so I think I've drifted away from the point here a little bit. But um, I just want to say that that the intelligent design people shouldn't be so worried about bringing God's name in because he's he's such a significant part of the government. In fact. In the states, the the polls for years have indicated that over ninety percent of the uh, adult population there believes in God. Now, what that God actually looks like is getting pretty fuzzy nowadays for a lot of people. But uh, there's still that that large number that say they believe in God. So, why are we pussyfooting around and and kowtowing to the evolutionists? Um, who say we can't can't bring God's name up in school? So this started really in 1963. You've probably heard of this um, Madeline Murray O'Hare that um, managed to get the Supreme Court in the states to um, withdraw prayer from schools, prayer and anything to do with God, and and. Uh, and this has been an ongoing thing, and since that introduction, that was 1963, since then, the statistics for teen pregnancies, uh, drug abuse, alcoholism, young suicides, have just skyrocketed, and they're, they're still getting worse. Like we're We're losing an average of four people a day just in Vancouver uh, to to um, fentanyl overdoses. You know, it's, it's just such a tragedy. And I think people often get into drugs because they, they don't see any hope anywhere else, you know. Uh, no, they don't all get in there that way. I think some of them are are tricked into it at parties by somebody spiking their drink with, with something that's, that gets them hooked right away, but um, it's just a tragedy that um, people without hope will turn to something like this to to try to get some relief, and um, you know it's yep. killing them. Tom Rogers is our guest. He's an independent researcher and president of Reality Research and Development, has a background in engineering, construction, and exploration. Uh, Tom, uh, let's get into some of the other very interesting and exciting issues that you deal with when it comes to proving this 
uh, this atomic biology uh, that you're uh, contending for. Uh, the idea that God is in the numbers. You have done research about red blood cells in the human body and, and you've come up with some conclusions. What sort of things have you developed with uh, regard to these red blood cells? Well, Neil, this particular area is what really got me cranked up about 10 years ago because <clears throat> I uh, put together some information from three different scientists about red blood cells. The first one, a fellow by the name of Pallister, um, pointed out um, that a 70-kilogram male, for example, um, that's about 154 pounds roughly, um, has about 2.3 million new red blood cells produced for him every second. Then I found that uh, from a fellow by the name of Tortora that each red blood cell has about 280 million molecules of hemoglobin. And from a third one, Max Fruits, I found that each molecule of hemoglobin has about 10,000 atoms. So when you do the math, <laughs> this is what's mind-boggling, it's 6,400 quadrillion atoms per second that have to be selected from our digestive system in the right numbers and the right sequence and so on and precisely assembled into new red blood cells. And if that doesn't blow people's minds, I don't know what will because there's so much intelligent work involved there that's just so far beyond anything man can do. That, um, you know, it's another one of those conclusive factors that you know, evolution doesn't have a hope of doing anything like this with no intelligence. So when we talk about the numbers of cells, even if you were to uh, be a little bit uh, relaxed and say, yes, of course, an evolutionary theory could say, of course, those blood cells are being developed. But what you're saying is where the intelligence is required is the arrangement of those atoms in a specific formula to actually make each blood cell function. And that happens on the quadrillions of times every second. That's right. 6,400 6, quadrillion atoms per second that have to be made into these these 2.3 million cells and uh, you know the, every part of every cell has to be precisely arranged and and built the atoms have to be selected properly uh, fastened properly in their proper place takes great precision because you you can't make mistakes in these things you know, like i was pointing out with dna the very you know, very fine differences between the different bases to make up the DNA part um, is just intriguing in itself. That you have to be that careful with the number of atoms and each kind of atom that you select and and fasten together. Okay, let's talk about the fact that it's a new science, uh, atomic mm -hmm. biology, uh, and not, and. Not. As you as you said, that uh, that there are a lot of uh, people with money, uh, deep pockets, trying to keep out any sort of idea that might counter the evolutionary theory out of schools and universities. 
what you're looking for, and you already have a lot of people on side, but you're looking for an increase of those scientists who are well qualified to comment uh, so that the credibility is increased uh, to this understanding about uh, atomic biology. How do you hope things will develop over the coming times, Tom? Well, I'm hoping that over the next month or so, I will have um, at least a dozen more scientists who will will make a quotable comment that can go on to the cover um, of the, the, like the dust jacket of our hardcover version. And um, just to lend that credibility, because you, you have to start there if you want to influence the scientific community at all. And um, so these have to be recognizable names with, with you know, mainly PhDs. And, and um, the, the offshoot of that, of course, is that some people will just think, oh, well, you know, it's science, it's, it's PhD level, I'm not anywhere near there. This is why we want to emphasize the point that, that it's really not rocket science and the basics can be understood by a fifth grader. But it is going to take a movement of people to to uh, start requesting that their children be taught uh, this new arrangement, and that we can bring God back into the classrooms now for scientific reasons. And um, you know, it it would be nice if we could start at the university level and come down. But it's probably going to go the other way. It's probably going to start in, in Christian schools and, uh, and then maybe move into some secular schools and then up, I think, is likely the way it's going to go. Because <clears throat> this, this uh, opposition, the people that want evolution only to be taught as the cause of life, and we're not, we're not saying that there's no evolution at all, but we are saying that Evolution cannot cause life because it doesn't have the um, necessary attributes. It doesn't have intelligence. It doesn't have dexterity. There's a whole bunch of things it doesn't have, so it can't do the job. Okay. Um, so we, we admit, yes, there is microevolution, but even mutation cells have to be built. And, you know, getting into why God might make some strange mutations that's that's his business and we don't go too far into it just the fact that you know they have to be assembled because atoms can't jump into the right place by themselves and when you talk about essentials and care necessary for building us from scratch and sustaining us maintaining us and repairing us uh, right. This idea of care, this idea of precision, this is where you connect uh, the God of creation to the idea that these things are not just happening uh, from something that started in the beginning, but these are continuing even in the moment that we are in now, where we're taking our next breath, where we're taking a bite of our morning tea or our lunch. Uh, this sure. is happening right now that the God of creation is involved in every part of our lives. Exactly. Exactly, and and when people get to understand how much work he actually does for each one of us every second of every day, we'll hopefully gain a whole new appreciation for his involvement in our life. And uh, this this part hasn't really been 
emphasized at all before. And, and um, uh, you know, I mean, the scientists know about molecular science and cellular biology, but they haven't gone down to the atomic level where where it all has to be assembled. You know, all the, all the right elements have to be chosen in the right numbers and precisely linked together. And so that's, that's the new part of it. But, of course, our belief is that God's been using this since the beginning, so it's not new to him. Tom, are you getting invitations to speak to groups, uh, universities, uh, scientists? Uh, what sort of people are inviting you to present this uh, information uh, into their settings? Are you getting those sorts of uh, those appointments? Yes, some uh, from uh, churches and some from um, um, the science groups that I'm involved with. Now, um, I've, I've got memberships in six different uh, Christian in science um, organizations, and all of them have their own uh, theory about how God is involved, and some of them try to blend evolution in with it, like evolutionary creation or theistic evolution, where they're they're trying to combine the two. And I think the reason they're doing that is that they, they know they've got this enemy on the evolution side, and they're trying to incorporate some evolution into their presentation. But as, as somebody has pointed out, you know, evolution is an unguided process. So how can you have a guided, unguided process? You know, if God's involved... <laughs> That's so right. guiding it, then how can you have a guided, unguided process? But You're talking about a movement, you know, Tom. You're wanting to get a movement happening, and a movement to sweep the world is going to need a lot of people to be behind that movement. Uh, you've got a mission, and uh, let me just come to uh, an, an element of uh, your mission statement. Uh, okay. to accurately and scientifically determine the cause of life on planet Earth. Uh, there's more to your mission statement too, but this accuracy and this scientific determination, the cause of life on planet Earth, it, it does it does form a foundation that any of these other arguments have to deal with before they could even argue any sort of level of evolution. Yes, and and um, just coming back to these different Christians in science groups, um, they're are going to be some basics that they will all agree on. And so I am, um, as a next step, uh, producing a, a list to send to the um, head offices for the groups to circulate to say that, okay, in spite of our differences, these following things we can agree on. Number one, you know, material things, including ourselves, are made of atoms. You know, basic stuff. The atoms have to come from what we put in our mouth, you know, our food and, and uh, what we drink and breathe in, but what basically we take in. And those atoms have to come uh, from the soil and rain primarily. So, you know, just some irrefutable basic points that we can all agree on and uh, and then build some unified strength from there and try to get past the differences about you know, is it a young Earth, old Earth, is you know, whatever, is it theistic evolution or is it creation science or, you know, get past those those differences.
churches and, and agree on these things so we can have a united voice that says, yes, these are the basics for life. And it also takes intelligence, and evolution by declaration doesn't uh, have any. Uh, that's that's one of the basic parts of their whole premise is that uh, there's no evolution, uh, there's no intelligence involved in evolution. Visions 2020 with Neil Johnson, a biblical perspective on life, culture, and current events. Tom Rogers is an independent researcher and president of Reality Research and Development. We're talking about his book called Darwin's Replacement. And uh, as we draw some loose ends together, uh, things that we've been talking about, Tom, uh, the idea that scientists need to really, in some sense, come together to start a movement uh, to really refute the idea of evolution uh, and the idea of uh, scientists, and some people will have this impression that all scientists believe in evolution, but it's it's just not the case, is it? Uh, what are your thoughts about uh, the sorts of feedback that you get and what you know about scientists who either agree with a creation perspective or scientists who might disagree with the evolutionary idea? Well, this is the encouraging part, and we, we talked a little bit about a movement, uh, you know, kind of starting a movement, uh, but that would only be towards the uh, atomic biology side because um, it was actually 1997, I think, the New York Times did a survey of scientists and medical people to see how many disagreed with evolution as the cause of life, and uh, was about two and a half million um, in the states alone. So um, the movement's kind of already started, but it has to be coordinated and unified to get through to the departments of education, so that they sit up and take notice and say, "Oh, yeah, this uh, this is maybe what we've been waiting for." The, the ones that have been trying to introduce something besides evolution, because there is a lot of pressure to bring in something else. You know, a lot of people realize that that evolution isn't the answer. And I'm, this survey was only scientists and uh, medical people, and of course there are all kinds of lay people that um, um, also don't believe that uh, evolution is the cause of life. So. The movement's really already started, but it has to be coordinated, and, and I hope that we can play a role there and, and help to bring some of these diverse uh, Christians in science groups together so that we can, um, you know, make a united front to the departments of education and have something solid for them to uh, look at in the way of textbooks and that sort of thing and say, yeah, we, we'll, uh, we'll get this going. Tom, atomic biology and talking about it as a new science, mm-hmm. are you aware of other new sciences that are also emerging at this time? Uh, what sort of things do you know about uh, other new developments that are, are coming to the fore and that people are, are taking notice of? Well, one of them is called biomimicry, where they're they're looking at the fantastic design in in different creatures birds fish humans and so on and trying to duplicate that now (laughs) 
you know, we we're told that there's only 10% of our brain that we use. And uh, I don't know if it's even that much because one of the fellows that I've quoted in the book says that our, our capacity for an average human brain is the equivalent to about 300 years of taped television programming. So, you know, that's pretty hard to fathom. But but there's some great inroads being um, uh, made into how our brain works and, and so on. But biomimicry is a matter of taking, um, you know, something is already there, or God's already building it, and, and trying to duplicate it. And they're, they're doing it in, in some ways, even with brain storage capacity, because it's so much uh, more accurate and compact that they can store so much information in such a small area. And they've, they've started with, um, uh, as usual, mice, mice brains and, and just taking as much as a, a, like a uh, grain of rice, that amount of a mouse brain and the, uh, that size for storage and what they're able to put into it, now it's very expensive still, but the amount of storage they can put into the size of a grain of rice is just phenomenal. It's like stacks of CDs, you know, like a mile high sort of thing. It's just, just mind-boggling. Well, Tom, so biomimicry, that's another, okay. another There are a number of new sciences, and in order for those new sciences uh, to gain a foothold, they have to have the credibility of people who are qualified, high-level high qualified scientists uh, to uh, get on board and make it a movement. You're inviting yeah. people to actually uh, look at your book, uh, make a review of it, even be a critic of it. Uh, in mm-hmm. fact, you want people to be critical thinkers about the sorts of things that you are presenting. Uh, so okay. I want to just uh, give that website once again for people to get a hold of it. And it's an inexpensive download, isn't it, Tom? Uh, give it's, us a general yeah. idea. Yeah, if you go on Kindle, it's uh, $4.99. Okay, so we're talking, this is very inexpensive. Uh, so mm-hmm. uh, now, at uh, as you say, you can get it on Kindle. Uh, it's the book called Darwin's Replacement. It's all about atomic biology. And if you're Googling this, just Tom Rogers, easy name to remember, Darwin's Replacement, Atomic Biology, or go to the website at realityrnd.com. Uh, Tom, uh, all the best with the way that the book goes and uh, certainly keep us in the loop and we'll do another segment on another day uh, when there's new developments and, and I know you're trying to get that hard, cap, hard copy hardcover copy out uh, very shortly as well but uh, for people to get a copy of this one and uh, do a review and let you know what they think I know you'll be interested to hear them Absolutely and uh, just wanted to uh, put in a reminder that your Australian doctor Graham McLennan has written a chapter in there, so we appreciate that very much. That's right, and uh, Graham McLennan, who's been a guest, and of course the Christian Heritage uh, uh, Research Site is something that Dr. Graham McLennan is behind. Uh, right, so the National Tom, Alliance of Christian Leaders in yes, Australia. He's yeah. an influential man and uh, a good friend. Uh, Tom right. Rogers, thanks so much for taking some time to share your thoughts with us today on 2020. 
Thanks very much, Neil. Appreciate the opportunity. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.